I'm Jim and this is On The Left Side, The Funny Football Show. There are many situations and the people with the white people, the color, and you look at a cartoon, it's quite similar as your face and put it in there. It's quite similar. Look, look, before we start this week, can I just get something out of the way? Can we all just stop doing one thing, please? Can we all just have a go at not being racist for a bit? On the left side, the funny football show. What is it with football that this week and every other week there seems to be headlines being made about the dodgy behaviour of people off the pitch rather than the football being played on it? Before we grab our umbrellas, pull on our rain max and rush out into this week's storm, can I just say that as a white, middle-class, 40-year-old man, I'm not massively comfortable talking about what is and isn't racism or who it affects. But like all white, middle-class men, I'm not in any way going to let that lack of knowledge or lack of experience get in the way of me talking about it. Already in just five weeks of the domestic season, we have seen Italian fans hurling monkey chants at Romelu Lukaku, which other fans later claimed were a mark of respect. Graham Souness attacking Moise Keane for reasons speculated to be because of the player's ethnic origin. You're not agreeing with me. Peter Beardsley being sacked by Newcastle for racist bullying. And an Italian journalist sacked for saying that the only way to beat Lukaku, again, was to give him 10 bananas. I mean, Jesus. Even Souness would have winced at that one. Why are you looking like that? This week's incident, however, was maybe a little less cut and dry. Following on from Manchester City's 8-0 win over Watford, hat-trick hero Bernardo Silva was accused of racism after posting a picture of a child, thought to be teammate and friend Benjamin Mendy, next to the cartoon mascot for Spanish chocolate-covered peanut brand Conguitos, a cartoon character that has been described by its designer as a small, naked, pot-bellied African native with enormous lips. You can see how this is going to be a problem, right? The tweet was later deleted by a nimble-fingered social media manager, but not before Mendy had replied to the tweet with a series of laughing emojis and the words... 1-0. You will see. And the FA had taken notice too. Now, football's governing body have written to Manchester City for its response to that tweet. And if they aren't satisfied with the response from the club, Bernardo could face a large fine or even a six-game ban. In response to the whole mess, football's equality and inclusion organisation Kick It Out released a statement that read, Racist stereotypes are never acceptable as banter. And we're shocked that someone who was a role model to millions has failed to understand the discriminatory nature of his post. For me, the most offensive part of that is the use of the word banter in that statement. Banter. (laughs) Truly unforgivable. Here's the thing. I can see both sides of this argument. This was a message between two mates who thought they were having a bit of harmless fun. But just because Mendy wasn't offended by what was said, it was said in the public domain where someone else could be offended or upset or angry about it. Does that make Bernardo Silva racist? I don't think so. Does that make the tweet racist? Yeah, I think it probably does. All I know is that having spent so long talking about it, now I really want some chocolate-covered peanuts. Maybe this is some convoluted way that City are announcing their official chocolate-covered peanut provider. If so, then fuck me. Kudos to them. 
It's easy to say that this is just a joke and move on. But that line between racism and jokes or whatever it is is different for everyone. Those Cagliari fans who chanted at Lukaku and got away without any kind of fine or ban, by the way, could easily say, in fact they did, it was just a joke. And they might mean it, but it doesn't make it right. Not that it's up to me, but I don't think Bernardo should be fined. I don't think he should be banned, but it kind of feels right that it was flagged up. Why? Well, if you're wondering why, listen to this from Megan Rapioni, who made this speech as she picked up her award for Best Women's Player at FIFA's The Best Awards. What I think is most inspiring would be if everybody other than Raheem Sterling and Koulibaly, if they were as outraged about racism as they were, if everybody else was that, if everybody was as outraged about homophobia as the LGBTQ players, as if everybody was as outraged about equal pay or the lack thereof or the lack of investment in the women's game other than just women, that would be the most inspiring thing to me. Powerful, isn't it? I mean, it's not as powerful as Eric Cantona talking about how none of us are ever going to die or whatever he was banging on about a few weeks ago, but still, it's pretty good. The rest of the best awards passed by with the usual fare. Messi took his turn to pick up the Player of the Season award, which he and Ronaldo seem to share like the child of a divorced couple. Okay, Lionel, you can have the best award this weekend, but only if I can take it to my gala dinner on Thursday. Although given that Ronaldo didn't even bother turning up this year, despite only living an hour away from the venue, it'll probably severely damage his visitation rights next time round. There was one decision, however, that seemed to take away a little bit of the credibility from FIFA's The Best Awards, and that was who they chose to give the 2019 Fair Play gong to. Because they picked Leeds United. That's the very same Leeds United who publicly admitted, and were subsequently fined for, actually spying on their opponents' training matches. After which they went on to say that they always did it, and it wasn't a very big deal. Yeah, that Leeds United. It's like giving the chocolate-coated peanut of the year award to... No, no, I'm not saying that. No, it's, it's not. Remember what we were talking about earlier, about where the line was? Can we just try something non-offensive? Thank you. It's like giving the award for most perceptive bullshit spotter to the Queen. The other big gong, the manager of the year award, was given to Jurgen Klopp which, having guided Liverpool to become champions of Europe, seems fair enough. But maybe those scousers need to make the most of Jürgen while they still can. Klopp's contract with the club still has another two years left to run, but already the German is making noises about a potential departure. Whilst discussing the possibility of an extension to Klopp's deal, his agent, Marcus Ecke, after explaining how the bad weather in Liverpool was an irritant to Jürgen and his wife, told Sporting Witness this. We must wait and see how everything develops and whether climate change will bring better weather to England. This can't be a good thing to suggest, can it? Suddenly, half of Liverpool are going to be spending their weekend scouting out the biggest, most fuel-guzzling, dirtiest motor they can afford in the hope that somehow those CO2 emissions might add a couple of degrees to the weather on the Costa del Merseyside. This should all come as absolutely no surprise to Liverpool fans. That if Klopp does decide to leave Liverpool, he will blame the weather. Because that's what Klopp does. He blames the weather. Forget Liverpool versus Everton. Forget Rangers versus Celtic. Forget Roma versus Lazio. Football's biggest rivalry is Klopp versus the weather. It's his biggest nemesis. 
There was the time he blamed the wind. Not sure if you felt it, but the wind was really strange. The day was really difficult. There was the time he blamed the pitch for being too dry. The pitch was really dry. <laughs> we started, we gave all water we had, and then after 15 minutes it was really dry. There was the time he blamed the weather. The weather circumstances didn't help as well for a good football game in general. There was the other time he blamed the wind. If you felt it, but the wind was really strange, difficult to handle. There was the time he blamed the snow. And then it started snowing and that made it not easier. Not that the snow is actually not a problem, the only problem is if it stays on a pitch. That time he blamed it on being too windy. The wind was came from all directions, so you saw that a lot of situation didn't help. There was the other time he blamed the pitch for being a bit dry. But the pitch got dry and dry. And there was the time he blamed the wind again. Really difficult to, to play football with this wind. There was that time he blamed it on being a bit too windy. That the uh, wind didn't help with that. And all the other times he blamed it for being windy. The first goal was yeah, a little bit maybe the wind. So it should be of no surprise at all that given the Northwest's bloody awful weather conditions, Jürgen would look to move to sunnier climes, somewhere like Spania, for example. Sorry, who? Spania. Spania? Espanol de Barcelona? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's just how Ashley Cole pronounces it. Spania. Spania. I know that he knows he hasn't got a bloody clue how to pronounce Espanol, but he just makes up with it with a bucket load of confidence. If you didn't see this week's Europa League draw, then you need to, because it was the greatest of all time, thanks to Ashley Cole being given the job of picking out the balls and announcing the teams that came out. It's beautiful. Check this out. Stad Rennes. Stad Rennes. Spania. Espanol. So, Espanol. <laughs> Espanol, don't worry, Ashley. It's okay. We've understood. Istanbul. That's, that's the challenge, I know. I love it. And as a fellow can't pronounce names a sufferer, I think it made the normally dull and boring draw 100% more interesting. Let's get him doing the Caribou Cup from now on. Team him up with Paul Bloody Merson. And we can start to look forward to hearing about hilarious cup ties like Leicester versus Farnbrower, Lee Town Oreo Knot versus EP Switch, or Nottingham County versus Tottenham Hotspurs. Obviously, I know Tottenham Hotspurs is pronounced right. It's just they're a bit of a joke anyway. Right, that's it for your latest episode of On The Left Side. Thank you very much for listening. Please hit subscribe however you listen to this show. It's a free thing. It doesn't charge you anything, and it just means you get the next show as soon as it's ready. Plus, come and give us a follow on social media, at On The Left Side. You can find us on Twitter, and I'll see you next time for another dose of football funny. On the Left Side is written and produced by Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson.